Today's episode of Green with Envy is brought to you by the Manekis Companies, your Dorchester-centric realtor. Spelled M-A-N-E-I-K-I-S, Charlie Manekis is Dorchester's most trusted realtor. With 55 years of residency in Dorchester, Charlie has deeply rooted community relationships that help connect the dots to deliver trusted home buying and home listing services. Visit themanekiscompanies.com to learn more. Welcome back to another episode of Green with Envy. Today, I will not be joined by my usual co-host, Will Weir, who is on vacation with his girlfriend in Mexico. But fear not, on this special holiday edition of Green with Envy, we welcome back for a second time our first ever guest, he who is verified on Twitter, so we are verified by proxy, the Jump Rope King, that kid chief. Kari Thompson of the Memphis Commercial Appeal. How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. You know what I'm saying? Verified in the tweets, verified in the streets, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you feeling uh, You feeling good about the seas? I am. I am. I, I'm, although uh, the Christmas Day loss was discouraging, I, I think that, uh, you know, we're waiting on Kemba, you know? Yeah, we are. We are definitely waiting on Kemba, man. So you, you just told me uh, right before we started recording here that you actually spent Christmas away from home. So has, has this been um, an unusual Christmas for you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, as you know, COVID has made everything crazy. I usually take this week off and, and get back up to Boston, um, spend time with the family. Couldn't do it, obviously, because it's just a bad idea traveling with COVID. But I ended up traveling anyway. Um, <laughs> For work, for work. Um, I got the opportunity to cover the the Montgomery Bowl, which was uh, Memphis versus FAU, Florida Atlantic. Uh, it was the first bowl game I've ever been to, first bowl game I've ever covered. Um, so it was a great opportunity, man. When the boss was like, hey, we want to send you uh, send you away to cover a bowl game, if you're a high school sports guy, you're not going to turn down that opportunity. <laughs> you're going to say, let me get the college clips in. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So what was um, what was the experience like there, man? Were there many people at the game? No, it was uh, pretty much empty at the stadium. It was socially distanced. I was up in the press box. The press box was pretty cool. There were some people in the press box covering the game, um, as you would imagine for a bowl game, but not <laughs> anything there at all. Um, were was were they time. allowing people into the stadium? Um, honestly, I can't remember. I think there were a few. I think there were a few. I, I can't remember because I was just looking at my, my computer screen the whole time typing and looking at notes and stuff like that and watching on t do uh, going back on youtube tv and doing replays so i can see what the plays look like um it was it was uh and obviously looking at the field and taking notes from the players so you know it was funny because like the fans were like almost an afterthought i was you know it's, it's one of those things when you're doing something for the first time and you're like whoa i need to like you know zoom in on like these 10 crazy details that probably aren't even important in the long run um so yeah, that's man. cool, man. Well, you, you bad that I couldn't tell you whether or not fans were there, but that. <laughs> well, you have a lot of experience um, covering high school football, right? That's mainly what you're right. doing. You're covering the high school football and basketball scenes. Right, right, right. Exactly. So did you notice much of a difference just like in, in how the games have been going um, when you were watching when you're watching the college game versus the high school game? Um, you, not really. Not really. I mean, it's when you're, I think the difference is just the actual experience of covering it all. Like when you're a high school sports reporter, you're on the sideline and you're taking your own stats 
and you know you're you've got you've got some overworked security guard trying to kick you out right after the game's end, so you have to go right in your car. Yeah, you know, that's that's the difference. I mean, when you're in college, you know, you've got live stats right there, and you're up in a press box with other writers, and you're looking at the game instead of being on the sideline in the midst of it all. You're looking at it from like a thousand feet up at the press box over the stadium, so it's a different perspective. Um, For sure. But I mean, football is football, man. At the end of the day, you know, uh, whether it's a bowl game or the NFL or, or high school, you know, big plays get made. <laughs> do you do you think that your experience? Because you were a, you were a lineman, right? O line, right? Did, so, from your playing experience, when you watch the game, do you see yourself doing what you know what I do? I watch the ball for the most for the most part. Are you watching line play at all? Like, how does that work for you? Do you does your experience as a player affect the way that you're watching the game? Um, when I'm watching on TV, but, uh, when I'm watching, when I'm watching live and I'm covering something like when I'm watching for fun, I like to pay attention to the big fellas, but <laughs> when I'm, uh, when I'm covering it, man, you know, the little guys, the, the skill guys get all the headlines. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta pay attention to them, especially, you know, when I'm trying to take stats, like, you know, I can't keep track of pancakes. You gotta keep, keep track of yards and touchdowns and stuff like that. But, um, no, nah, I always I always make sure to uh, to look out for the big guys and show them some love for sure. For sure, I like for to sure. Be and I, I see you're wearing your uh, your Pat sweatshirt right now. Have you been uh, Have you been watching all the games this year? I honestly haven't watched one single game in its entirety this year, which is completely different for me. How you feeling about the Pats, man? Man, I started. I watched like the first three games because I was so hyped for Cam. I was, right. I was Cam would be in Boston, but. Uh, I'm, I'm like you, man. I, I fell off completely, uh, <laughs> sort of as they did. But um, yeah, man, it's it's weird seeing the past with a losing record and not being in the playoffs for sure. Well, hopefully, we get a good draft pick. Were there any um, were there any players in that game that you just covered that might be NFL prospects? Yeah, um, I think Brady White, who's the quarterback for Memphis. He's actually he's actually second all time in the American Athletic Conference in passing yards. Okay. Um, so he's he's thrown for over ten thousand yards in his career. He has like an impeccable resume. I mean, he's taken Memphis, which was a doormat not too long ago, <laughs> in the AAC um, uh, to making the Cotton Bowl last year um, when they played Penn State and lost. Which I mean, you know, for 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 what they call a what they call a Power Six team to be making the Cotton Bowl is like ridiculously good, um, and, and a lot of that's due to him. Um, so he's, he's one that definitely stands out, but Memphis has put a lot of dudes in the NFL in recent years. I mean, if you look at, uh, Daryl Henderson, who's on the, who's on the, uh, the Rams, the running back, if you look at, uh, Tony Pollard, you know, um, if, 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 if you look at Antonio Gibson making plays for the Cowboys, I mean, okay. Memphis put a lot of, of skill guys in the, uh, in the NFL recently. Yeah, and speaking of another Memphis product, um, on our first pod that you did, you talked about your experience covering James Wiseman. Um, so, what are your initial thoughts on seeing Wiseman with the with the Warriors, man? Uh, he's balling out, man. They need to give him more minutes, man. I mean, uh, I'm curious to think what you think too. But um, I mean, honestly, other than Steph, he was the Warriors' best players in the two games that I watched. I watched both games, and. Um, He's showing it all. I mean, he's showing that he can score inside. He's showing that he can hit the mid-range. He's even taking it back out to three. 
Um, and he's yeah. dunking ferociously. Like, I mean, it, it's looking like high school again. <laughs> I mean, oh, he's, uh, I mean, he stands out, right? Just like his sheer size and athleticism on a court full of great athletes and huge human beings, he stands out as the biggest and potentially most athletic from what I've seen in the brief time that I watched him. So I, I've definitely been impressed, man, because I didn't get to see much of him in college at all. But now I'm seeing him um, with the Warriors. I'm like, oh, shoot, like they may have got one. Uh, did, did you catch that yeah. meme? The the one shot, the one frozen shot of him with yeah, the yeah. ball above his head. It's like, hey, nephew, let me get that shot real quick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because that 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 shot, y'all can make fun of the, the form, but it was all net. It was cash. And it wasn't just like, it wasn't just like barely making it. Like it wasn't rimmed out at making threes. Like it was splash. Like, <laughs> Oh, you still got the form? I see. Yeah, man. You know, you know. So just you want what you taught me, Greg. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, with with the Warriors, despite getting smacked in both of those games, I think you gotta feel really good about what you're seeing with Wiseman. Once Clay went out, your championship aspirations go out the window, right? So for me, this year is all about developing Wiseman and turning him into the best um, version of himself that you can in one year, and then hopefully flipping some of your other roster into other pieces that, if if you decide to keep this core together. With Clay coming back, if he's healthy, I think that they could contend in the West. What do you think? They got to add more shooting, which is ironic, though. Right. This the world. But, like, outside of Steph, who's really shooting? Like, who's getting you points? You feel me? Like, we're not relying on Andrew Wiggins to, to knock down three-pointers and get you a bunch of shots. You know what I'm saying? Or, or Draymond when he comes back. You know, like, they're, they're going to have an uphill battle unless they, unless they get uh, another couple pieces out on that wing that can, uh, that can space the floor. For sure. Do you think that, you know, there's been all these rumors about James Harden. Do you think that that's a potential Harden destination? If you package Wiggins, you might, you probably need to throw Wiseman in that deal. Um, do you think that would be worth it for the Warriors? No, 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 no. You got to, yeah, you, you got to ride that him. out, right? Yeah. You got to keep James and develop him. Um, again, you have Clay. He's just hurt. You know what I'm saying? Wait it out for one year. Why blow up everything to go get Harden? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you know, Harden's a great player, and I'm sure he'll uh, he'll he'll get his wish and get traded. But I don't think I don't think Golden State's a fit for, for sure. Well, what about the Celtics, man? That that was the uh, the rumor going around this week that Harden put put his, extended his ever growing list of preferred destinations and included Boston on that list. When I saw that, my initial reaction was, "Hell no, keep him out of there." We just went through all that shit with Kyrie. Like, we don't need any more of that superstar shit in Boston, man. I'm I'm enjoying rooting for the young guys that we've developed do you see do you see that working out at all well here's here's my take on it um number one there ain't too many uh too many of the type of establishments james harden like to hang out with (laughs) hang out in in boston so it might be a good it might be a good environment from him because it's just not it's not it's not houston in terms of the light nightlife you feel me like that might be a good spot second you know the Celtics, man, they gotta find more scoring beyond just Jalen and Jason. You know what I mean? Like they got to, man. I mean, and, and he could be that third punch. But I don't know. I like this team. I like this team, but they don't feel like a finals contender to me. They feel like they are about the same where they were the last couple years. While I think Miami got better. 
and Brooklyn certainly got better. Yeah, that, I think, um, you know, you hit the nail on the head that the Celtics, the inherent flaw in this roster construction is the fact that we do not have the scoring. When Gordon Hayward left, you know, all that scoring is going to fall on the Jays. And Marcus, who's actually been taking a little bit more of a backseat and facilitator role through two games, and especially with Kemba out, I mean, Jalen is, is being the most aggressive I've ever seen him. He looks pretty good doing it, but I don't, I don't know that Jalen and Jason taking 50 shots a game is a, a championship team. No, no, not at all. Um, again, the Celtics have pieces, but um, you're right. It's not, it doesn't look like a championship squad to me. It, it looks like a very good squad, but it looks like, you know, a, a three, four, five seed win a winner, winner, win a series or two in the playoffs and then get bounced when it's time to play a good team type seed, man. That's, that's at least my impressions after watching, <laughs> watching yesterday. Yeah, for sure. So as of uh, recording this episode, it's December 26th. So as we stand now after two games, Celtics are one and one. So we had that crazy opening night win where Tatum called game. And then we came back to earth, you know, yesterday we got smacked 123 to 95 on Christmas Day at the hands of old friend Kyrie. Um, So you you had said that you were unable to watch uh, most of the first game, but you caught all of the Christmas Day game, right? Right, 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 right. Okay, and your your initial takeaway was this is just not a championship team, but I'm sure there was something that you liked watching that that first uh, the game on Christmas Day. I mean, for sure. I, I mean, as you were saying, we saw a very aggressive Jalen Brown. I mean, and, and, and scoring from a multitude of ways, scoring at all three levels. Um, you know what I'm saying? Jason was doing his thing too. Um, you know, it's just when you add when you add to a very good Nets team that was already a playoff team that made the bubble. When you add Kyrie and KD, and mind you, KD's Achilles looks very good. You know what I mean? It was like, did you see that clip where I forget who it was? There's two players at the podium, and they were talking about, like, it's Kevin Durant. I promise you we tried. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just what it is at this point, man. The Nets, um, they have the star power. They're deep. You know what I'm saying? The only thing that they're not, that they're kind of missing is they're not really battle tested, you know, Mm -hmm. but like on paper, I think the Nets just have a squad. Yeah. I think the only question coming into this season for the Nets was, is KD going to be healthy? And then are you going to go and try and package the, your depth into getting someone like James Harden? And right now it doesn't look like they need it. That would be great insurance, right? In case there is another injury, you pair uh, Harden, with KD or Harden with Kyrie and and you're going to be at the top of the East the whole year. But man, you're right. That roster is crazy. Like the Celtics, when, when you compare the Celtics bench against the Nets bench, the Nets just has, the Nets have so much more firepower. And one of the narratives coming into this season as well was that the Nets wouldn't be able to defend. And I just don't see that right now. I, I, I think they actually have a pretty solid defensive squad. They're long. Um, Kyrie looked engaged. You know, he, he can defend when he wants to. He's defended in the playoffs before. It's, you know, he's a great athlete. He's got great instincts, great hands. It's just that sometimes he does want to fight through screens during an 82-game plot, you know. So, you know, 
through two games, man, the Nets look amazing. KD looks amazing. He's one of my favorite players. Kyrie was one of my favorite players till he scorned us. <laughs> uh, so it, they're a fun-ass team to watch. And then when you got Karis LeVert coming off the bench, you can just give anybody in the league buckets. You know, you got Joe Harris knocking down shots. Jared Allen probably should be their starting center. There's just not many holes in, in that roster. And I just don't see how the Celtics can match up against a team like that. And that's why I'm against them adding Harden because it's like, you know, sometimes sometimes you just need to stand pat and let things work out and uh, let things things uh, roll along as they should, man. I mean, and, and leave the distractions alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so keep the keep the viral videos elsewhere. You know, keep the <laughs> keep the chubbiness <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> really. Though I hear you, man. Hey, what are your thoughts on like the 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 whole Harden situation right now, and like how the media is portraying him and how the media is covering him, especially with uh, the activities that he's so fond of? I don't know about you, Kari, um, but like you know, being I, I you know I've been to the club a couple times in my life, and you know it's definitely alluring, and I can't even imagine what it would be like if you just had like pockets full of dough that you could just throw all around the club and make it rain all night. But like, do you do you see? Is this like a, a cultural thing that like the media is is giving him a, a lot of a lot of grief over his love of the club, or you know how how you feeling about all that? Nope, it's the James Harden thing, man. And 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 like, I cannot even imagine for a second what it will be like to be James Harden in Houston. It's like you know, I know what it's like going to the club being me. You feel me, like yeah. a journalist. You feel me, like like I I know what that's like. But could you imagine being the dude in the city with the millions? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's probably a crazy atmosphere. You probably get a rush, unlike anywhere else. But the problem is, James, that we're in a pandemic. You feel me, like people are legitimately dying because COVID nineteen is spreading like crazy. And want to be irresponsible, have fun, <laughs> and be places where you shouldn't be, and, and and risk not only other people's lives, but like risk you know your team having to shut games down, which they did. You know what I'm saying? And for your own sake, if you want to be selfish, risking your own paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Getting lucky because the game got shut down, they could have suspended you from the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a it's just a lot of risk. Um, for for non-essential activity. But again, when you're a guy who's used to getting his way and you're a multimillionaire and you're a relatively young dude, I mean, what are you going to (laughs) do? You know? What do you think, Greg? What do you think? No, I I hear you, man. I I can't even imagine what it would be like to be him and to have that money to throw around. Because, you know, there have been a couple times with, with the band that I'm in, where like, you know, sometimes we'll get a decent paycheck after a show. And back in my day, you know, I'm 31 now, but you know, when I was performing eight years ago and I'd, I'd leave a show with like a couple hundred dollar bills in my pocket, I'd be, and I'd be like, yo, why not? You know, I, I wasn't expecting to get this money anyway. Might as well just go have a little bit of fun and, you know, see what's shaking. Um, and, and James yeah. loves what's shaking, you know? <laughs> but like it's, what was interesting to me was like when the whole Lou Williams situation happened during the bubble, right? You know, so that right. that you know Lou coming into the bubble, I think, is a little bit of a different situation than James just being back out in society and doing what he's doing. You know, so 
a lot of the the narrative that I was hearing, especially I was listening to, I think it was the Jalen and Jacoby uh, podcast, and Jalen Rose was just like, man, people don't understand like the culture of Atlanta and how big you know the strip clubs are in Atlanta. And same thing with Houston. Houston has right. a huge strip club culture as well. So like to me, uh, you know, I, I try to reserve judgment at first. My initial my initial thoughts are, man, like you are being a selfish asshole for doing that, man. You're setting your team up for for failure by by doing all this and when you combine all that with the way he's been acting just in general trying to demand his way out of Houston it just screams like selfish entitled superstar right um so I was just wondering if you had any like further insight as a, as a member of the media and as someone who looks like James Harden versus me who's someone who does not look like James Harden if there is like any uh right. if there's anything I'm missing well my, my question to that would be are all the rockets in viral videos at strip clubs or gentlemen's clubs? You feel me? In lounges? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it everybody? Right. Or, is, or is it James Harden? It's James Harden. You feel me? Yeah. Like, every one thing would be like, oh, damn, we caught all 10 of the rockets at this club <laughs> making it rain. But James Harden got busted. You know what I'm saying? It'd be one thing if it was all the Clippers at Magic City. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Or all the Hawks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Slipping away to get to that city to get some lemon pepper one. But it wasn't Fox or all the Clippers. Yeah. Oh, I mean, respect, bro. You're a millionaire. You do what you want to do. You're a young millionaire. Ball out. You know what I'm saying? I respect. But have some accountability. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is – you got to call things for what they are. And we can't say that everyone in the NBA – you know what I'm saying? Like, take LeBron. LeBron has a microscope over every single thing he does. Could you imagine the circus if LeBron was in a video like James Harden? You feel me? And, and, and he, has, he probably has more people watching him at all times. But we don't see LeBron out there doing this. We see James Harden out here doing this. And that's the difference. No, that that's well said, man. It's it's definitely you know in, individuals make individual choices, and you know those. That, you know, that's that's one of the things about living in free country, man. You can do what you want, and it's up to other people to kind of judge your actions based on what you do. But James Harden seems like a type of dude that just wants to do whatever James Harden wants to do. And as you and I said, we can't relate. We don't. We're not the. We're not the man in our city. We're not the man in our city. We're just some guys talking about the game. Um, but with with the Celtics, man. Speaking of accountability. Right before the season started, after that horrible preseason, Brad Stevens, it was well chronicled, he, he had a meeting with his team and, and redefined roles on the squad. Um, so this next section, we're just going to call this one the Feeling Good, Feeling Great section sponsored by Black Sheep Optimists. Uh, that's my band car, if you didn't know. Um, so okay. from the first couple of games, uh, what... You know, you mentioned a little bit about some things that you liked. I'll go first here, though, and I'll kick it back to you. Um, piggyback of what you said i i'm feeling really good feeling really great about jalen brown's development as a playmaker i have been absolutely astounded with with the strides that he's made man he he is surprising the hell out of me um marcus smart you know listening to coach stevens embracing the point guard role i had written a little blog post um i'll shoot it your way Kari, after the pod too um to, to get your thoughts on it but i love that marcus is really embracing that point guard facilitator role and then number three on the list for me is my man semi ogile the ogile factory i 
I, I kind of written him off. And through two games, man, he's actually looked like he might be a rotation player this year. And what that says about us and our ceiling as a squad as a squad is one thing. But he looked pretty good, and he looked a lot more decisive in his actions in that game yesterday. I know you didn't get to watch most of the first game, um, but what did you like you know, through the first three and a half quarters as the Celtics were hanging with the Nets? What did you like about what you saw? Um, well, I mean, just in general, just a general as a general point, one of the things I like that came to me is I like the Jeff Teague pickup, man. Like, I think you get a veteran point who can uh, who can lead the squad and hit some threes. You know, I think that's a good pickup, even though, you know, he didn't look the greatest out there. Uh, you know, I, he bought out in the first game, though. He did. He did. And I think I think as the season progresses, um, he's he's just going to look really good. You know what I'm saying? Um I mean, honestly, from what I saw, I mean, there wasn't too terribly much to like from that from that terrible Nets loss, other than like you know Jalen and Jason kind of did their thing, and um, I mean that was that was really it. I mean, you know, the the, the story of the game was that we could not contain Kyrie; <laughs> let him drop thirty seven. Like, you know, I mean, that's that's just what it was. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, you know, Marcus Smart's his first team all defensive guard, right? And as as great of a defender as he is, he looked helpless against Kyrie. And that, that speaks a lot to how Kyrie is, you know, one of the elite all-time scorers at the point guard position. So as good right. of a defender as you are, um, Marcus Smart, unfortunately, if Kyrie's hot, Kyrie's going to be hot. And you're not going to be able to do much about it. But there were times, man, where Kyrie had Marcus on skates, like... I thought Marcus was going to hit the ground a few times. And when Kyrie's playing like that, when he's healthy, there's not a better point guard in the Eastern Conference, maybe in the entire league. Um, so, you know, with, with things that – but before we transition into the, the um, shit we don't like, sponsored by Chief Keefe, it's just like I, I, I think that with the Celtics, we, ha- we have this – this three-headed monster right now of Kemba and the Jays, right? Marcus, you can, I don't know what your feelings are about Marcus, but I don't see him as someone that's like making a huge difference in, in, on a game to game basis. I think that he just is a tone setter, you know, but he, he's not really someone that's going to raise the ceiling of the team. I think Kemba and the Jays. Granted though. I mean, you know, just consistently great defense. It does. (laughs) That does have an impact for sure. No, he's not. He's not someone you're going to look to and be like, all right, Mark, it's time to take the game over. You know, that would be bad. No, for sure. And that's what happened in the in the game six loss, right, where Marcus just took a, a million threes against the Heat. But my, my point being that, like, Marcus, as good of a defender as he is, like, you can't contend with Kyrie Irving. Like, that's a team effort defensively. If you're expecting Marcus to be able to just lock him down, and you can have the best defenders in the world, and at the end of the day, the offense is going to beat the defense more times than not just because those guys are that skilled at their positions. So, you know, with the Celtics, I, I, I like that this cohesiveness that we have as a unit. Um, I'm liking Tristan Thompson coming onto the squad. I think he's bringing a lot as, on the front line. Um, but with, you know, with Jalen, before we move on to stuff that we need to improve, Man, Jalen Brown, I've just underestimated him in terms of what his ceiling might be. You know, I, I think it's it's very easy to see the ceiling with Jason Tatum, and the narrative is always that Jason Tatum's going to be the superstar. Jason Tatum's going to be the superstar. And up until last year, I was always much more of a Jalen guy than a Jason guy. Um, I just didn't necessarily see 
Jalen having the ceiling that I'm starting to see for him. Whereas before, I was like, you know, Jalen could be a multi-time all-star. And now I'm like, damn, Jalen could be like multi-time second team All-NBA. You know, what, who, when you watch the games, like, what are you seeing of, of Jalen versus Jason? Who do you like, who are you drawn to, towards more as, as a player? Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's just they're, they kind of alternate in games where they take over. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's either going to be a Jalen Knight or a Jason Knight. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And when you have them both on, uh, that's when the Celtics are at their best. But, you know, I mean, you know, I, I think what I see from Jason Tatum is that he's he, he has the complete total package. But just the simple finishes sometimes around the rim, man, I mean, that's what gets them. You know what I'm saying? Like, million-dollar moves, 10-set finishes. Whereas Jason, you know, as Jalen is is gonna get to the line, you know what I'm saying, and sometimes he falls in love with his three, but you know, for the most part, you know, as we saw in that Milwaukee game, like you know, because I went back and watched the highlights, like dude was getting what he wanted to when he when he drove, like okay, you want to drive in and and get a nice little scoop play up, we got that, you know, drive in, do that little fake and spin, get that little jump shot, we got that, you know, like mm-hmm. um, I mean that's i mean you know they they, to me they're like it's like you said they're like a two-headed monster like i can't even really separate them out like just because they're both they both have to work on their consistency (laughs) no yeah you're right man and to me it's it's about like the type of athletes that they are you know Jason Tatum is more of that like smooth gliding type athlete, like a Tracy McGrady or like a Paul George, somebody like that. And Jalen to me moves more along the lines of like the prototypical MJ Kobe two guard, you know, the way that he kind of like a probably more, a more apt comparison would be like DeMar DeRozan, you know, (laughs) like I don't want to be comparing JB to MJ and Kobe right now. Uh, But JB, he just like, he he's so much more decisive and explosive in his movements at times because Tatum, it you know, he, all of a sudden he's at the rim and he just like elongates his body and then he's there laying the ball in the basket where Jalen, like everything he does is like he's shot out of a cannon, you know? So for me, I think that's what I've always loved about Jalen is that he just like, when when he know, when he knows he wants to get to the rim, nobody is stopping him from getting to the rim. And with Tatum, it's like, okay, I just ran a cute little pick and roll. Tice sealed him, and now I'm laying the ball up at, at the hoop. You know, Tatum, is, he, he just tends to, to float a little bit more in games, which is why I, I don't like Jason Tatum as much as I do like Jalen Brown. I love them both, but I've, I'm, I'm always going to ride and die for Jalen. And I think moving forward, from what I've seen through two games, if Jalen can keep up this level of playmaking throughout the season, I think that just, like, raises his ceiling as a player – beyond anything I ever thought imaginable, man. And I'm such a Jalen guy. It's just, I'm, I'm happy. I'm so happy to see Jalen Brown making these plays. He's coming off of pick and rolls. He's seeing the guy in the opposite corner, making the skip passes over the defense. You know, he's, he's being patient in the pick and roll. He's getting guys on his hip. He, you know, he's falling into that little uh, Chris Paul snake the screen action. It's just, I, I, I did not expect to see, I, my predictions going into the season, Kari, were that Jalen was going to struggle. Like the first, up until Kemba came back, we were going to see the worst Jalen Brown we had ever seen because he was going to be in these new positions that he had never been in before. And instead, he's looking like the better of the two players at this point in the season. 
Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's about time too, because uh, you know uh, the narrative is, you know, everyone's always telling the young guys, the young guys. You know what I'm saying? When are when are we going to see the vets? You know what I'm saying? When when are they going to be the all stars? <laughs> you know, like it's time, it's time for a leap, and the and the team really needs it, as you can see. Um, so, right on time, right on time for sure. So let's let's transition into the shit we don't like. Um, I'll let you go first on this. Like, what is of all the biggest problems that you saw in that game against the Nets? What is the one thing that stands out more than anything? Not being able to shoot it, <laughs> other than the, other than the two J's. I mean, you know, they got to find a way to fix that, man. I don't. I, I mean, I, I really don't know how you how, how you do that, but you know, you so more do you- X's and X's than me. For sure. What are your thoughts on Naismith? Because a lot of people, especially on Celtics Twitter, are just clamoring for more Aaron Naismith. And to me, I just don't really see it right now. I see a guy that's like a little immature in his game, and the game seems a little too fast for him. He did get on the court for about eight minutes or so uh, last night against the Nets, airballed his first three like miserably, uh, and then knocked down his second one during garbage time. But do, are are you familiar with his game at all from his time at Vandy? Um, what, what are your what are your thoughts and expectations of him? Well, I think we just need to keep in mind the context of which when which he's joining the Celtics because people forget that his season ended in January. Mm-hmm. Like he had stress fracture in his foot that wiped out his season, and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. So homeboy hasn't played five on five since like January. You know, other than practice. So, of course, the game is going to look a little fast for him. Yeah. Take that into account. And, you know, Brad's had some quotes, you know, talking about that and that, um, you know, people were experimenting. People were clamoring. Oh, we want to see more Aaron Nason. We want to see where it's like. He's like, Brad was like, at first, I was trying to just get him to come up, get up and down the court. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, so that's where we're at with him, man. It's just going to be a process. It's going to be a time, man, you know not only recovering from a foot, foot injury and going through COVID and not having a lot of experience, but just adjusting to the NBA, which is, which is its own adjustment in and of itself. For sure. And th- this is for all the people on Celtics Twitter that have been coming at me, telling me that I'm a Naismith hater. I'm not a Naismith hater, man. Like, as Kari said, I'm a Naismith realist. This dude is coming into an impossible situation for success. And one thing Stevens is not going to do, he's not going to put his players in positions where they're going to fail especially early on in your career. He's going to put you in positions where you can succeed, which is why he does such a great job t- you know, extracting every last bit of talent from these guys that have mediocre talent, like the Daniel Tices of the world, where he turns him into you know, just a nice role player to somebody that other people in the media were talking about could play Bam Adebayo to, you know, to a draw in the Eastern Conference right. Finals, which clearly didn't happen because there's a different level of talent there. Um, but with Naismith, like, we just got to be patient. As Kari's saying here, like Naismith, yeah, he's at some point this year, he might be able to contribute. But to expect him to contribute right off the jump is just not realistic. And as a coach, you know, from from a coach's perspective, like you just can't do that to a young kid and destroy their confidence because then you end up with a Kwame Brown or somebody like that. You know, you got to really develop this kid hope that we can get time in the G League and when he's ready, throw him out there in a big situation. But for now, just give him little, little bits, little bits of success and you'll start to reap those rewards towards the end of the year. Um, but one thing that I, I didn't like, Kari, watching this game and through the first two games was my man Jason Tatum and the fact that he's not getting to the free throw line. I, I think I'm right here that he has zero free throw attempts through two games. 
And right. what are your thoughts on that, man? To me, it's, it's just mind-boggling. How do you not get to the line? Well, it's just he loves the three-pointer, man. And it's like those those, those three-point shots that were like, oh, why didn't you drive it? Those are the ones he hits at the end of the game where we're like, yo. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's I mean, that's where we're at with it, man. I mean, um, again, that's almost why they complement each other so well, Jalen and Jason do, yeah. because um, you got one that's like, yo, I'm taking it to the rack. I'm going to dunk on people. <laughs> and you got the other that's like, let me take it outside, you know. Um, no, I, I hear you. And earlier you had said that it's frustrating to you to see – Jason Tatum with the million-dollar move and the 10-cent finish. And I think, to right. me, his lack of free-throw attempts through two games is kind of a, a product of that, where he, right. he's trying to finish you know, pretty around the rim versus just finishing like a dog and just going and get it. And you know, he's, he, he, unfortunately, is challenging you know, through the first two games. He's challenging two of the best shot blockers in the league. He's challenging Brooke Lopez, who's an outstanding defender by the rim, and Jared Allen, who's also an outstanding defender by the rim. So maybe against the less-than-elite shot blockers, we'll start to see those balls going a little bit more. But I want to see him you know, draw more contact. And it's tough because Brooke Lopez is one of the best in the league at the, at the law of vert- verticality, right, the rule of verticality. So you can't just like get fouled by someone who knows how to play defense without fouling. You know, so that's one thing. But with Tatum, it's like every time he comes down from missing a layup, even when he makes a layup, the issue to me is the complaining to the ref where he's not getting fouled, and then he turns to the ref after every layup, and he, you know, he does this, and he puts his hands up, and he's constantly just bitching to the refs. I'm like, bro, they're not fouling you. Like when they he's foul been you. He's star calls too. He's been getting some of those. Like, it's yes. not like he's been getting some of those. Yeah, and like, that, that, that's what that's what's frustrating me, Kari. I'm I'm just like, yo, when you get fouled, like then you can you can complain. But when it's so obvious that you did not get fouled and you just smoked the layup, they're they're not gonna respect you for that. And they they want. I think the the league wants Jason Tatum to be good, so he's gonna get those superstar calls, as you're saying. Um, but to me, man, you you gotta figure out a way to get to the line, because you know if, if he had 20 points last night. Will and I, who Will, my usual co-host, he's always yeah. talking about the dirty 30, where he's he wants Jason Tatum to get 30 points on those nights where it's like, oh, damn, Jason Tatum got 30 points? And I think free throws is, is one of the recipes, is, is one of the ingredients in that recipe for the dirty 30. No question. I mean, it's just mental with him, man. Like, it's not like Jason, it's not like Jason Tatum can't get to the rack. You feel me? It's just that he's, he's just taking shots that are just not going to the rack. Yeah, like that's just what it is. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, again, he he takes he take he takes some layups, and like you said, he tries to, you know, get those little cute finishes in. But uh, you know, it just it's like, I don't know, like like just I don't know, just like take a page out of Jalen's book, man. Just like, <laughs> like I want to say that, but like you feel me? Like that's I mean, like just be more it's, decisive. It's, it's like, yeah. It's like if you mess their games together, like you'd have like a crazy, like, you know? Like, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And, then, and the, the great thing about this as Celtics fans is we don't have to choose between these two players, right? Got both. We got both. And hopefully we got them and not James Harden because I, I, don't, I don't want that problem. Um, All right. Where do you think Harden's going to go? Um, I, I, I want to say it's going to be like someone we're not seeing right now. 
because the teams that everybody's talking about, especially the Nets through two games, I just look at that squad. I'm like, why would you blow it up? As we talked about earlier, I don't see him going to the Celtics. I don't know. I saw the Trailblazers being kicked around. What'd you say? Philly? Philly. So you're saying you'd rather have James Harden than Ben Simmons? I'm not saying I would rather do it, but I'm saying if you look at how that team is constructed and you and you got Simmons and Embiid who can't shoot as your two superstars and you swap one for the other, I think it just makes a lot of sense in both yeah. directions. No, I think it does make a lot of sense. And with Maury being there, I, you know, it, it, it is the most logical place for him to go. Um, I, I just think if you're Philly, you got to try the Embiid-Simmons thing with Doc just for a little bit and maybe by maybe by the trade day, trade deadline but who knows man maybe James Harden you know be suspended for the entire season for his uh his his lack of COVID etiquette <laughs> by that point but I, I think it's going to be someone that we're not seeing right now I don't know who it is um so I'm, I'm not going to sit here and speculate but I don't think it's going to be somebody that everyone is expecting right 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 um and let's see, is there anything else of the stuff that we don't like? Nah, we can keep it moving, Kari. Uh, the last segment that I wanted to hit with you, my guy, is your NBA awards predictions for this year. Okay. And just like basic NBA awards, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, Sixth Man, and Most Improved Player. Um, so let's just start with uh, the most important one, man. The most valuable player. Who you got this year? Yeah, Giannis getting that three-peat, man. Really? So you don't think that his lack of playoff success is going to influence the vote this year? Nah. It's a regular season award, bro. Like, that's the thing. Like, you got to go out for criteria. You know, Mm -hmm. someone in the media. And, like, the criteria is regular season. You know, so I think Giannis can prove that he's the best player in the NBA during the regular season. That's the point of the award. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I To me, I, I think that for him to be the most valuable player this year, he's going to have to go to a level that's just like unheard of. And I just don't think that he can get there this year. Um, I think that he's still missing the key ingredient of having a reliable shot, not a three-pointer, just a shot. Like, what is your go-to move in in the crunch time? If he doesn't have that go-to move, then I, I think that the narrative – of what Kevin Durant is going to be doing in in, in Brooklyn is going to outshine what Giannis is doing with Milwaukee. Because I see the Nets almost sweeping these awards, man. I think Steve Nash is going to take Coach of the Year. I got KD for MVP. Um, I, I wasn't sure what KD would look like. My initial pick for MVP was Luka. But when I saw KD and I saw that KD was KD, to me, he's the best player in the league. Um, so... I, I think you got to go. KD's going to be the alpha dog of the East. So to me, he's going to be the MVP of the league. Plus, plus KD, what he has going for him also. He's, he's the shiny new thing. He's coming off an injury. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. everything he does, we're going to be like, wow, KD, KD's back. You know what I'm saying? That whole narrative is going to be different. So I can totally see. I mean, KD's a great pick for, um, for MVP as well, but. Shoot, man. You say Giannis and you don't know how he's going to do it. He did it two years in a row. Yeah, the, the question is, how is he not going to do it again? But no, bro. So my point is like, I don't think that they're going to be better than the Nets, right? So that that's his issue. Up until this year, he didn't really have, once LeBron, like the vacuum that's created with LeBron going to LA, now Giannis just kind of like steps into that role as as the man. Now we Now we got KD in there. 
and the East is getting stronger and stronger. And if Harden ends up in the East too, that's another dog he's going to have to fight with. Um, so I just think through no fault of his own, I, I don't think Giannis is going to be the guy. I think he's still going to be top three, top five guy and MVP, but Katie's Katie's going to be my pick for sure. But what about your guy uh, down there in Memphis, man, John Moran? You got him for any of these awards this year? Uh, nah, because he, he's not a rookie. You can't give him MIP. I don't think he's an MVP guy playing on the Grizzlies, especially without – Without uh, without Jaron um, and without Justice Winslow, um, so he doesn't really fit any of the categories. You don't think he fits most improved? No, dude. I mean, like, dude, Ja. If you saw what Ja was doing last year, I mean, he's yes, he's better, but like, Ja was special last year. And I think the reason why we saw him drop forty four in the opener is because. His second best player is injured, <laughs> and it's going to be an uphill climb with a young roster. You know, like the Grizzlies desperately need Ja to carry them. So, yeah. of course, his numbers are going to be great. But he 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 is he is better for sure. But I, I wouldn't give him most improved. Okay. There's so other. Who do you got for most improved then? <sighs> I don't know, man. It's a tough one. Who you got? Well, I was got my pick is going to be Ja. I I think that it's either going to be Ja or my guy Jalen after two games. I'm just riding the Jalen Brown train right now. But you know, if if Jalen plays like this, I don't think there's any way that he's not going to be in the conversation because he was a nice you know tertiary option with a guy that had a lot of promise. And I don't think people saw Jalen Brown as as you know the Celtics' best player in moments at any point of of the last couple seasons, and through two games he has been that guy. So I think with Jalen, he's going to be in the conversation for a a lot of different awards this year, whether it's you know an All Star nod or an All NBA nod or All Defensive nod if he keeps that up. But to me, I think Ja does fit the criteria, man. You know he he was a, he was a great rookie, obviously Rookie of the Year. Um, but if if he's dropping twenty five a game and keeping Memphis in the hunt for the playoffs. That's a different level of player than he was last year. You know, he he, he, he had was the, he wasn't dropping twenty five. He was dropping eighteen. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I mean, he had Memphis in the hunt for the playoffs last year. Um, it's just, I don't know. I, I'm not saying it because Jaw hasn't improved a lot because he has. I'm saying it in that I don't think people appreciated. I mean, like he did get a lot of national buzz last year, but like. I don't think people even fully appreciated like the impact he had on the Grizzlies as a rookie dude. Like he already like established himself as just point blank one of the best players in the NBA. Like no question. Yeah, for for sure. I think that maybe you know my uh, my understanding of John Morant as a player is that like you know being in Memphis in that small market, he, he wasn't getting the 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 love that you know somebody like Zion was getting. So right. this year, to me, I think because Ja's going to be so good, he, he's going to be impossible to ignore. You know, so like right. when you right. when you get that extra media attention around you, and now now people are seeing you a little bit more, and you're you're hitting all the highlight reels and everything like that. Maybe that starts to influence uh, the vote for a, a most improved. Maybe maybe it's going to be it, it's going to come to him in some other form of recognition, like an All Star nod or an All NBA nod or something like that. Some sort of vote that he might get, um, you know, unrelated to the end of the season awards, but. You know, I, I think Ja could definitely be there, man. I don't I just don't see 
who else would really be in the running because most improved normally goes to uh one of the younger guys in the league right it's usually someone within the first three years so you know unless maybe trey young like if trey young see we talking about borderline all-stars here man like i mean i don't know like i'm just looking at them as like you know it's too high profile for most okay but maybe i'm wrong you know what i'm saying like i mean like i can think of someone like when I think of most improved, like I think of someone who like, I don't know, just like completely transformed some aspect of their game that just took them to a complete other level. Like Ja got in- incrementally better at everything. Um, For sure. But I don't think he transformed. Like, you know what I mean? Like it would almost be like, maybe this is not the pick, but like similar, this is like my line of thinking on this. Like, you know how Lonzo Ball fixed his jump shot? Yeah. <laughs> like, like something like that, where it just like makes you a completely different player. You know? no, I, I I hear you. So the the top three vote getters last year were Brandon Ingram won the award, Bam right. Adebayo and Luca were were right behind him. You know, so like to me, those guys are like on similar level. It's someone that has pedigree. You know, right. so like Lonzo definitely has has like the pedigree where if he has a in a you know, you're you're right. Lonzo's another name that probably sh- people should be talking about as someone who who could get it. I just don't see it being like um like a Joe Harris. You know, I, right. I think Joe Harris is like slightly too low profile. Where maybe 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 I'm wrong here. Maybe we just need to uh, figure out what the actual criteria is for most improved. But I think re- regardless, John Moran is gonna have one hell of a year. For sure, for sure, for sure. I mean, again, I'm just. Maybe I'm just – I got the Memphis blinders on, man, because I'm like, yo, this dude's <laughs> going to be an all-star, man. This dude is going to take over the league. Like, you know, I think we're saying kind of similar things. It's just that I think – I don't know. Maybe I'm just already going in too hard on Ja. You know, they're already put Peyton mur- murals of him here in Memphis. Like, I, I feel you. They named it after him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So who you got for uh, rookie there? You got your boy Wiseman? Yeah, no doubt. No hesitation, man. Um, I, I think uh, obviously two games are a very small sample size, but from what we've seen, man, he's looking comfortable <laughs> out there. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think if it's not Wiseman, it would probably be LaMelo. Um, but LaMelo put up that goose egg the other night. Uh, and, you know, obviously it doesn't mean anything. It's early in the season in his rookie year, but. Dude, I think Wiseman's gonna have a heck of a year, man. And I'm not, a, I'm not an Anthony Edwards believer, um, even though he's a good quote. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for the media. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you, man. I got Wiseman as well. I, I think it, if for people that are l- listening right now that have not seen James Wiseman play, make sure you catch one of the Warriors games because you'll notice him immediately. As we talked about at the beginning of the pod, he stands out for sure. Um, okay, so we got a um, couple more awards. Let's just do your six man of the year. Six man, six man. Um, so last year it was uh, it was Trez, right? right, right Normal right, guys, Lou. People he's been about starting. Him. That's why I'm saying like I don't know if it'll be him again because mm-hmm. I mean I guess when I guess when uh, I don't know are the Lakers going to start Marcus All like <laughs> at the at the five? Right now um, they are, yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying like I don't know. I mean, he's to me if he if he's putting up 19 and eight like he's putting up. I mean, yeah, yeah. he's one of my starters to me. Obviously, he's one of the favorites for sure. 
he's probably, I'd say, probably my pick, man. Yeah, I think Trez, as long as he's coming off the bench, no one's going to take that from him, for sure. I think uh, Karras, if he sticks around in, in, in Brooklyn and they have the year that I'm expecting them to have, he'll definitely be in the conversation for sure as well. Uh, and then we got uh, Defensive Player of the Year. That's the last award we got here, Car. Who you got? Taking AD, man. Same. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love AD. Uh, you know, I, I never thought that AD was that number one offensive option. I thought I, I always loved his stroke. You know, he's, he's another similar um, to Jason Tatum. There's just the way that he kind of like glides around the court and everything. Everything he does is so smooth. Um, I, I think that his, his ability to switch out on the perimeter and guard down low and block shots around the rim and just get deflections, that dude just, he, he just causes havoc all around the court. Yeah, he can do it all, man. He can do it all. And and, and you just take into account that the the Lakers D is going to be very good. <laughs> so, yeah, the the best player on a good D, um, a championship level D. Uh, I think that's a that's a recipe for 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 DPOI for sure. No doubt. And one more thing before we head out of here, Kari, uh, where, where do you have the Celtics finishing this year? What are your predictions for the squad? I'd say fourth in the East. Okay, so who you got at the top of the East above them? I got Brooklyn. I got Milwaukee and Miami. Okay. All right. Oh, um, real real quick, man. Your boy Precious. Yeah. Miami. Why didn't the Celtics draft that dude? He looks so good. Man, I really wanted them to. And, and it was just a running joke every time I would go on the radio because I do like a, a weekly radio spot on one of the sports stations here. And uh, one of the guys – loves to mess around and be like, yo, y'all, y'all, uh, y'all held on to that Grizzlies pick and, and, and passed up on Anthony Davis and all these dudes that could have came to Boston just so y'all could draft Precious Achua. And he kept saying this <laughs> all year, like it was a joke. I'm like, watch us draft Precious and he's going to be good. <laughs> and it came down to it. And I'm like, he's there. We can do it. Um, but it didn't work out that way, man. But man, I, he, right, he's, he's making an impact for the Heat right away. He's a good he is a freak. Yeah. He's an absolute freak of an athlete. Oh, my God. I, I'm so mad the Celtics drafted Naismith over him because he, he's the type of guy that I think is going to be so valuable moving forward. And honestly, I, I haven't seen him shoot yet. Um, I, I haven't watched the Heat for an extended period of time, but I've seen highlights of him playing defense, and that dude is everywhere. And, you know, he, he seems like one of those dudes that will be able to guard anybody from – point guard you know one through five honestly like in a switch i i wouldn't be worried about him covering anybody on the court i think not having wiseman last year in college kind of helped him because it forced him to just add dimensions to his game like it forced him he had to be the five for memphis where like pressure when he came in he wasn't really like you know a banger like that mm. but he had to be the dude you know on 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 memphis and not only did he have to kind of you know refine his defense on all levels but he had to uh he had to become the go-to option to get a bucket too and that's just it's a different mentality when you have to become that guy you know what i'm saying like when he first came into college he was going to be like another piece like he was a five-star but he wasn't james wiseman you know what i mean yeah so we got to see him in a completely different role and that was one of the things you know it, it, obviously the way the wiseman situation and Memphis played out was super unfortunate for like pretty much everybody involved. But honestly, I think it did precious some good because it forced him to expand his game. 
I'm just not looking forward to the end of the season when we see the Heat in the playoffs and Precious Achua is on the court guarding Jason Tatum in crunch time and Aaron Naismith is sitting there waving a towel as a cheerleader. Right, 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 right. Uh, and Tyler Hero is just going crazy like he was. Man, that dude, I, I love that dude. He's, he's so good, man. He's so good. Um, all right, Kari, well, that's going to do it. Uh, we are at a, right around the hour mark. Thank you for being here, my friend. Um, so we are going to sign off, and we're going to sign off with my band, Black Sheep Optimus, playing you out. So y'all, take care. Merry Christmas, and a happy new year. I've never seen the stars in your eyes. A glimpse of what I miss, I think it is a mirage. Ooh, you got me tripping, and it's hard to describe. But I stay for a minute, because I'm digging the vibe. I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes. Don't be catching feelings when it's only your vibe. Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy. You know the one thing different is the state of your mind. I'm like, oh my. You had me taking off and you took off your clothes I should be coming down by now But I won't 